0: Welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Today's show, we're going to talk about where the football team is halfway through spring training. We'll talk about the quarterback competition in segment two, and then, of course, Derek Vandegrift comes in to talk about the Ole Miss baseball series win at Kentucky. First time since 2014, by the way. So this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast.
1: You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Wills. Thank you very much for joining us. And thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. So do us a favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also, hit the bell for notifications and new videos going up, which happens quite frequently. And upvote the video itself. And a reminder that if we hit 1,000 um, subscribers to the YouTube channel, by football season, we will do a live show um, for the post game of the football season with Ole Miss Legends. We have one that's agreed to it, and we're trying to wait to see about another. So, got a lot of stuff going on there. So, it should be a lot of fun. So, We are going in, today is like the seventh practice in spring practice. Um, So what does that mean? How does that go? Um, What does it look like halfway through? Because that's essentially what we are. After we get through practice, when we start the practice on Thursday, we're at eight of the fifteen, So we're over half of the way done and seven will be just under half the way done. So exactly what point should we be at? And the, the question is, when you think about it, um, what do players hope to be out, um, getting out of at this point? How does the quarterback competition look? How does the receivers competition look? How does the running back room look? How does the defensive line look? It's individual questions for um, individual units. And I'm thinking that the big winner in this camp is the tight end room. Michael Trigg yesterday, we talked about his emergence as a star player. He's a young guy, but he did play at USC some as a freshman. But I don't know if he's a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. I should know that by now. I I just didn't look it up. Didn't um, plan on doing that. But his experience going forward means that he's not just a true freshman going through the system um, with the team this spring. So his accessibility to both Luke Altmeyer and Jackson Dart is a huge plus of this team. And him emerging as an added weapon to go with Zach Evans... Um, Ulysses Bentley, the fourth Quinshawn Judkins, those guys at running back because this team is going to start off as a running team because just because you have a young quarterback, they're going to lean on the run game and let the quarterbacks grow into a better role with the team. And we are fortunate to have as talented of a running back room as honestly we have probably ever had at Ole Miss. So I'm pretty excited about that. But there's just a lot of Stuff to go in. They halfway through it. You want the quarterback competition? Is it here or is it here with the experience gap? Um, we'll talk about that in the second segment. Um, defensive line. There's a little bit of depth on there. No real standouts yet, but a little bit of depth. But Cedric Johnson was kind of the dude last year. Is he going to be the one to take over for Sam Williams? I mean, he had six sacks last year. Sam Williams had 12, half of them with him being the guy. Is he going to make that move over? Demon Clowney, um, J.J. Pegues, um the kid from Germantown, Katie Hill. It, there's players everywhere. You know, um, Taiwan Malone. The defensive line, all along the front, there's players. This is such a different thing than just three years ago at Ole Miss. Do you remember the 2018 defense at Ole Miss? I mean, I'm sure everybody does. But does everybody remember that? Actually, comment on when the last time we had a defense as talented as the one that's projected to be this year. I mean, we, we could have a top 30 defense this year. When, when's the last time we had a defense that was that talented? 2014, 2003, 2008? I mean, those are the big, big ones that popped up in the last 20 years, but I'm curious what you think about that. So leave that comment below in the comment section below. Um, but there's... Just questions that are going to go back and forth at linebacker. Is Kari Coleman and Troy Brown making the plays necessary? They offered a linebacker that's transferring out of Middle Tennessee, um, Middle Tennessee State University. Is that a sign that the linebacker play isn't where they hoped it would be? Is it just a lucky thing where they were, they're were best available it? I do not know, but the players that are being offered in the transfer portal on the defensive side of the ball, by the way, um, other than Deion Smith, I think that's pretty much a lock. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll see exactly what happens. A, a reminder, by the way, we provide commentary and perspectives. That is why we're here. We talk about the orbit around Ole Miss sports, including the narratives that other people are saying. Um, we're not about breaking news. We don't try to break news. We don't want to break news. Um, We just tell you what's being talked about around the orbit of Ole Miss sports. And this is the one place that you can go to and hear that for free without anybody trying to make any money off of you. But there's players that are making jumps. You don't hear much about the defensive line. The linebackers, you worry about those players being talked about um, as options in the transfer portal. What does the defensive backfield look like? How does the offensive line look with Mason Brooks on the right and Jeremy James on the left? How does that look like? The backfield, I'm sitting, I'm okay with the backfield. As good as the backfield was last year, I'm curious to see what it's going to look like this year. Wide receiver. Jordan Watkins' slot. Jalen Cox at slot. Um, Potentially Deion Smith. Jonathan Mingo. There is a prospect for them to be really good. There also is a prospect for them to be a problem on the team. But it is what it is. I mean, these guys have a chance to be good, but we'll see about Deion Smith and whether he actually does what is necessary to pull the trigger and does what he's necessary once he pulls the trigger. But saying all that to say this, Spring training is about where it needs to be, honestly. It's about where you want it to be. And because of that, um, there's eight more practices left. And later on today, we'll have um, the extra video, the press conference highlights and Lane Kiffin. And he's gonna talk all about what's going on. And he's probably gonna talk about the scrimmage that just happened, the whole nine yards. Um, But it should be good because we're having fun doing this, honestly. And it's a lot of fun. And it's not life or death. And understand that this is for Ole Miss fans. If you are outside learning about Ole Miss and interesting about Ole Miss, great. We're glad to have you. But don't think this is anything other than an Ole Miss fans um, YouTube channel. Because that's why we're here. Commentary and perspectives of the Ole Miss football team. So it should be good. Anyway, this is the type of year, time of year when I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate, cookies, and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time that they think a flavor might be good. They'll make it, it'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it about the taste first. And then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. So this is what you do. Here's the offer. Go to built.com, Use promo code LOCK15, all one word, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com.
1: March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast.
0: Thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Do us a favor and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Once we hit 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, we are going to do a live post-game report of Ole Miss football. So we need to hit that before football season. Right now, we have a yes from one Ole Miss legend. We're trying to get a yes from another. But either way, we are going to be here to talk about Ole Miss football immediately after the game. Um, all season long, so it should be a lot of fun. Anyway, the quarterback competition, we've told you over and over again, and we talked about how it was a quarterback competition, and that Luke Altmaier, the way he wins is by being the most efficient, most um, machine-like quarterback in the world, and that is what's happening. Luke Altmaier looked really good, really efficient this weekend, and Jackson Dart with his gunslinger mentality, his Brett Favre mentality, and Matt Corral was a gunslinger, okay? In 2018 and 2019, even in 2020 some, Matt Corral was a gunslinger. He thought he could make every throw, so he tried to make every throw, and it took him growing out of that and developing for that to change. Now, this is the thing to remember about Luke Altmaier and Jackson Dart. They are like Matt Corral in 2019. Not Matt Corral in 2021. Matt Corral in 2019. There's plenty of development for both of them. Now, we've told you all, I don't know, month long, the whole time, talking about the quarterback competition for the whole month of March and into April, there was an experience gap of Luke Altmaier, a comfort in the offense of knowing exactly what to do. If that goes down to that, that's major advantage Jackson Dart. Luke Altmaier's only real hope of winning this job is to keep that It completely extend it until fall camp. And once you get to fall camp, this is like you get to the second half, get to the fourth quarter, anything can happen. But if you lose the game, you you can lose the game early, but you can't win it. So it's important to keep that experience gap exactly where it was when it started. And, you know, that's kind of where we are right now, seven practices in. The experience of working in the system is helping Luke Altmaier. And he's very efficient, very methodical. Jackson Dart is toolsy and has all the talent in the world, and this is in no way um, over, not even close. I don't even think it's even begun, honestly. Because right now, Jackson Dart is still doing the acclimation phase of him learning how to do everything and doing the best and swimming a little bit. Remember, Jackson Dart came from an air raid system at USC under Clay Helton where they ran completely different plays, a completely different offense. And now he's asked to run this completely different thing, this, this thing that Charlie Weiss is putting in and Lane Kiffin and doing that. It's completely different. It's all about speed. It's all about tempo. It's actually an incredibly simple offense to run because you have to be to go fast. But that speed means quicker read. So it's, it's, it's a lot of mental work. But Jackson Dart will get there. Absolutely, but Luke Altmaier has that advantage now. And Right now, he's holding steady after seven practices um, at that experience gap. So, it's a great thing. Like I said, this is the one storyline that people are going to care about going into, um, really, Labor Day. But this quarterback competition is everything. People will try to downplay it. They'll even try to downplay spring practice. It's not. These reps matter. Potentially more so than any team in Ole Miss history. These reps matter. And this where you end up at the end of spring and into fall camp matters. You need to try to be leading going into fall camp. Whenever that depth chart is posted, you want to be leading. If you're not, you've got an uphill climb. And you have to expend a whole amount of energy trying to catch up. So we'll see. Coming up after this, Derek Vandy Griff. You know, we wait about 24 hours after the last game to actually record with Derek. So this is after a day um, to get his thoughts on what's going on with Ole Miss baseball team. That is by design. So you don't get hot takes and everything going on. You actually get good, solid analysis. And we talk about Ole Miss baseball going against Kentucky, Alabama. We even go through the SEC a little bit. So that's coming up after this from Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championship Odds, podcasts, and reviews for different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. You can leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to. Just leave a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And also a reminder to you, if our YouTube channel hits 1,000 subscribers, we're going to be doing a live post-game show come football season with Ole Miss legends attached. I already have one. I'm waiting to hear back from the second one. Um, I'm here with Derek Vandegrift. We are going to talk about the series that was the series that got a little bit scary, but they were able to pull it out. How you doing, Derek? Pretty good. How you doing? Oh, pretty good, man. um Ole Miss went up to Lexington, won the series for the first time since 2014. Um, The bats were kind of dead on Friday and Saturday night. And then about the fifth inning, they just woke up. I mean, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's that's. Kind of the concern this past weekend, you know, we uh were able to get guys on base here and there, but outside of the first inning, you know, we weren't really able to push anything across either Friday or Saturday. Uh they did come alive after a few innings on Sunday. Uh we need to start getting Calvin Harris in there. You know, he, he played on Saturday and that was it the entire weekend, you know, and that was the game we ended up benching Chatanyer, giving him a days off and Quite frankly, if that's what we got to do to get Calvin Harris's bat in the lineup the way he's swinging, as opposed to Chat right now, I love Peyton Chat and all, uh, but we got to have something going with that offense and Calvin Harris hitting everything in sight right now.
0: Yeah, Calvin Harris doing a heck of a job, and like I said, the bats woke up on Sunday. Tim Elko hit a ball that probably hasn't landed yet. The announcers were joking about whether or not you could hit one out to left, and yeah. Elko just walked out and just muscled one out of the yard like it was nothing. And then you have um, Gonzalez with a homer and McCants, um, McCants with, yeah. a big, well, with a big fly. So it was nice to see them wake up and kind of get going. You saw some solid contact. And I think that's good for the lineup, especially with Southern Miss, which might be the best team in the state of Mississippi this year.
1: Yeah, they've played really well. You know, they're 19-8 and eight and a 33 RPI. You know, we do give them in the midweek, so we don't have to face any of their weekend starters, you wouldn't think. Uh, but it's always been – a tough task for us to go down to Pearl and play Southern Miss. They always play stuff down there. So we're, we're going to have to bring our best down there and really, really need
0: this one. Yeah, that guy that they had in the regional last year that just knocked the ball all over the park. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think he's back. I think he went pro. No. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, they're just a heck of a ball club. And I think, what, is it going to be John Gaddis tonight? You know, I don't really know where
1: they're going to go with. That's what's going to be so interesting. Uh, you know, he only threw, what was it, two and two-thirds, I think, the entire weekend, came in for two-thirds of an inning Friday and I think threw two innings on Sunday. Uh, so, he didn't pitch a whole lot. So, I mean, yeah, you could see him. One person I know you better not see out there is Jack Washburn. He, he finally got his shot. and mm-hmm.
0: Boy, was he good for us on Sunday. Man, he threw strikes. And we've been talking about uh, if he could just throw strikes. He had really great starter level stuff. And he put it together against Kentucky. And just other than that one high fastball that somebody was able to get on top of and send it deep, uh, and he, he just looked great.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did, and, and really, you got to give credit to Bianco the way he handled pitching staff all weekend. You know, I, I know Saturday the score doesn't really indicate it, but, you know, we, we actually did pitch pretty well Saturday, too, you know, mm-hmm. uh, outside of that Burford error on, on that stolen base attempt. If he ends up catching that and of the inning, then we end up getting out of that up one nothing. And it could be a completely different ball game. Everything just kind of unraveled after that, right? So, uh, fielding, I know we've talked about it for a while now how bad it's been and that's something we've really got to clean up this pitching staff, you know, it's hard enough to get 27 outs and you're asking them to get 30, 31 outs, that's that's a whole other monster.
0: Yeah, and that and base running and we had a runner thrown out at the plate. Um so it was like a two for but almost won the game. So whenever the fielding messes up and a batter gets thrown out of the uh, thrown out at the plate, the mm-hmm. bats come alive. So maybe that's what was necessary for them to do. Yeah. But um, yeah, what, going back go go I'm um, talking about Saturday. Hunter Elliott um, pitched a well of a game, and he obviously had nerves in the first inning, but he really settled down and looked really good. Uh, just moving, moving along.
1: Yeah, you know that's that's another guy. <clears throat> I mean, you have talked about for Lord a month and a half now. It seems like we want to see him get a shot, and he finally got his. You know, he's got really really good stuff. His fastball is good. His command's good. He's got a big breaking ball that really keeps hitters off balance, uh, and he had he given up two runs, both of them unearned though, because of that error we were talking about just a little while ago. Uh, you definitely need to give him another shot out there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the weekend rotation if he kind of tweaks it a little more going into this weekend or not. Because Deluca pitched a heck of a game on Friday night, going six in the third fours. You know, I mean, who saw that coming? Uh, so you may have to run him back out there on Friday and just get everything you can out of him. and Kind of like we've talked about, using all of these arms that we have. We have so much depth in that bullpen. Uh, not really go off and just say, these are our starters and they got to go get us five, six innings and just get outs where you can get them and then bring
0: the next guy in and however you can do to get 27 outs in the game. And I really like the combination of DeLucia then to Gaddis. I think they're oh, stylistically, yeah. they match up, and it's a nice contrast. And yeah. uh, on Friday night, and it worked. It just shut Kentucky's bats completely down.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was It was a real good game plan by them. You know, I I find it hard to believe when they talked about it last week when, when they decided they were going to go with Lucha, if they were thinking they were going to get, you know, 19 outs out of him, you know, but it was probably the plan to get out there and let him go as far as he can, then bring Gaddis in. A little soft tossing as far as uh, – Delucia goes, he's more pinpoint, high 80s, low 90s fastball, you know, so it does keep him off balance. So it, it is a good contrast, like you talked about bringing him in to piggyback Delucia.
0: Yeah, and then you go from Gaddis to Brandon Johnson, and that's yeah, just man. smoke. That, I mean, that's um, just
1: nasty. Luthier played five strikeouts in two innings. He faced hmm. six batters. I mean, they, they just couldn't touch him. That's actually who I thought you might see open up on Friday, just see what you could get out of him since he is really your best pitcher. Uh, they ended up saving, him and it worked out pretty
0: well for us. Yeah, um, Brandon Johnson um, is kind of reminding me a little bit of Parker mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, and, and he's kind of turning into that closer. I didn't really see that coming last year, you know. Yeah. Um, but you see the development of of him in the back end of the rotation, and he's a, he's a weapon back there. If you can get to him with the leak, it's almost an automatic at this point.
1: Oh, yeah, and then, you know, there's kind of a track record of this, too. You know, you, you brought up Parker Crazy, but you look at uh, Taylor Broadway last year, and that yeah. was more necessity because we didn't have a whole lot of arms to get from our starter to him. You know, we did have Johnson and Doherty came on late and everything. But we asked a lot of Taylor Broadway, and he was able to give us multiple innings of back in that first round.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and, and a heck of a pitcher. He did some stuff like – the third game of the Arizona series, people can talk about um, starting Taylor or what they were going to do, but we just didn't have any pitchers. That the,
1: yeah, I the mean, time was,
0: John took Hoagland and that just kind of threw everything out of whack.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when you lose a guy like Hoagland, you get to a do or die game in the super regionals like that. You know, you got to throw your best pitcher out there, and that's what Mike did, and it didn't work out for us. You know, so that sucks. But he he absolutely did the right thing, getting Taylor out there and trying to
0: let him give us a chance to win the game. All right, we got Alabama this weekend, and I am – okay, I am team sweep. I know it's hard to sweep. Winning two on his home series is always the goal. But I am team sweep because you got swept by Tennessee. You got put in a little yeah. bit of hole. So if you can sweep Alabama, all of a sudden you're like, I think, plus one up in the theory that um, every series at home is two wins – Every one on the road is one win, so anything above that or below it is the plus and minus. Um, yeah. So that 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 would get us to the plus one range before we start the gauntlet. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, you know, you, you you have two opportunities this year to do that. You've got Alabama and Missouri; those are your two sweet series, right? Now we we talked last week and. I had us just win in two against Alabama and then up sleeping in Missouri and that still get, got us that magical seventeen number that we're all looking for as far as conference play goes and being able to host and all that. But yeah, the, Alabama's been so bad on the road though; they, they haven't been great, you know. Period. But on, on the road in particular, they're one in seven this year. Now the one win they had was in the state of Mississippi though; they did go down to Starkville and still won. So I guess you got to watch out for that. But yeah, this is definitely one where you where you're looking to try to get three wins and get that conference record
0: built up a little bit more and try to get some momentum going. All right. What do we need to know about Alabama? Um, anybody that don't know, doesn't know that much, what do they need to know about Alabama? They do have a pretty legitimate Friday night starter. you know, uh, Garrett McMillan,
1: he's only two and two, but he's got three Oh five ERA with 44 strikeouts and 41 innings. You know, he's, he's a pretty good pitcher, uh, the two after that don't really control it particularly well, uh, so they're going to be giving you extra outs that we really need to take advantage of. So if we can mix and match our pitching again this Friday take that Friday night game, then we'll be set up real good to go ahead and sweep the rest of the series. They do yeah. have a real big at the back end of the bullpen. He's pitched really well this year too. Okay, um, what about their batting order? How did they hit the ball? <sighs> they're like a 290 average team altogether. They, they only have two guys hitting over 300 for the entire year. And actually the one guy that is leading them in batting average, he doesn't have any home runs. There's, there's not a lot of pop in the lineup. Uh, their home run leaders only batting 265. you know, so there there's not a whole lot to worry about as far as the bats go. But at the same time, if you, this is the SEC. If you mess around and slip one in strike zone or leave something hanging,
0: somebody can drill one on you. Hey, do they have still have that second baseman that was so good last year? Uh, I'm not sure. I think, I think he's gone. Yeah. The little left-handed guy that led off. He hit like 400. It doesn't sound like the averages are anywhere. Oh, no, no. No,
1: Oh, (laughs) no. The one guy leading them, he's, he's hitting like 365. So he's doing fine, you know, but like Mm. like I said, no runs now. They do still very efficiently. I think they're 22 for 27 in stolen bases. Uh, and usually that's something we'd be okay with, but you know, Hayden hadn't been just great behind the plate here lately.
0: Yeah, maybe Sunday woke him up a little bit. He had a pretty decent day at the plate. Um, Nice job receiving. Um, It was more of a Hayden performance that we're used to. So maybe that'll wake him up a little bit once he gets home.
1: Yeah, yeah, And, and, and with Hayden, his big thing is, you know, we all know he's in the lineup primarily because of his defense. He's the best defensive catcher in the country. You know, he receives well. He can gun anybody out. But sometimes when you're struggling at the plate like he is right now, you let your slumps on offense kind of translate to your defense. I think that may be what's going on a little bit. So kind of like you said, if he can get a couple more squeakers to get by the second baseman and all that, kind of get a little more confidence, and uh, maybe he'll start playing a little bit better behind the plate. But if not, we sure enough got a guy back there that can do it.
0: Okay, and this is something I want to do moving forward um, now that we have Derek on the show. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the SEC as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. now that we have some conference series and a little bit of a sample size. Yeah. Tennessee went to Vanderbilt and absolutely swept the doors. They're like two wins away from the all-time start to an SEC season. This is a good team.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, again, an understatement. I know we talked about it in depth mm-hmm. last week about how good Tennessee is. Uh when i saw you know they were playing at vanderbilt this week and i said well you know if they start out with sweeping us on the road and then sweeping vanderbilt you know then those are two very very high profile sweeps you can put on your resume and quite frankly it just wasn't really close the entire weekend just like it wasn't with us you know i know we were in the game sunday a little bit here and there uh but i don't think it was really that much in doubt and yeah tennessee went and did it again you know uh i'm kind of interested to see what comes of this whole bat fiasco, though. You know, they had that bat taken from them on Friday. Apparently, it's been sent off to get tested. Uh, There could be something to that if they find out that it was rolled or shaved or anything like that.
0: Yeah, and um, not bragging or anything, but on my post-game pods during that Tennessee series, I was just, I kept saying over and over, when they hit the ball, it's a lot more solid than Ole Miss hitting the ball. Yeah. You don't have those duck snorts. It was all just line drives and lasers.
1: Oh, yeah, and even the ones that weren't, those still got out. I, I can't remember mm. what the guy's name that hit it, but he hit one that looked like a – Off the handle.
0: The, I know yeah, what you're talking I'm, about.
1: And it looked like it was going to go about 20 feet into the outfield, maybe split uh, Leatherwood and Elko and drop in, and that sucker carried all the way to the bullpen. I, I had never seen anything like that. As soon as I saw that, I thought, yeah, something's a little fishy here. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's reminiscent, honestly, of LSU and Gorilla Ball back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Eddie Furness at the plate, which his son is an old Miss signee, by the way. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty good. Now, what else around the SEC do we need to uh,
1: – Well, South Carolina is kind of hard to figure out, right? You know, they go and take two out of three from uh, Texas, and then they go take two out of three from uh, Vanderbilt two weekends ago. And then they come back and they lose two out of three against Missouri, who's supposed to be the worst team in the conference, you know? I mean, it's it's just kind of weird how baseball works out that way. Uh, which they, which they, Columbia
0: they, was that at? What's that? Which Columbia was that at? Was that in Missouri, or did, he, did they actually pull it off in on South at, Carolina?
1: I didn't see if that was a home or way of see, or a series for them. not real sure. Okay. But they, they seem to play up to their competition and also play down to it. To, you know, something we've kind of, grown accustomed to here in oxford ourselves we've we've seen our teams do that quite frequently uh georgia with a really impressive weekend going on the road and sweeping florida uh georgia can really throw it, especially on friday nights that's kind of what you got to watch out for with them you know, they they might have the best friday night starter in the league now outside of chase burns up at tennessee uh that guy can really spin it and you know the two guys after him have have pitched well enough to keep them in series and you know they're Probably going to end up being
0: the host team themselves out of SEC. Yeah, absolutely impressive. Also, Auburn took two out of three at LSU. Yeah, um, yeah, th- yeah. They won L- down there for the first time in forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. LSU doesn't throw it real well. Uh, they are even a worse fielding team than we are at this point, Ooh. which is pretty incredible. Uh, but they they can't field for their lives right now, and and they're they're scuffling with their rotation, trying to figure out not only the starters but the bullpen too. Uh, Now they can hit with anybody, you know, us, Tennessee. I mean, they can really swing the bat. Problem is that they've got to score more than they give up, and that's been a problem for them right now.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, Mississippi State, how's their season? I haven't – honestly, maybe I'm a bad Ole Miss fan, but I don't know exactly what the defending national champions are doing in baseball. So how how do they look this year? Well, yeah, that's the biggest difference between Ole Miss and State fans. We don't keep up with them near
1: as much as they keep up with us, right? You know, we're we're, – focused on what we do uh, but states you know they're fine they're not going to be a host team They're they went and got one at arkansas salvaged one sunday and in extra innings you know to avoid the sweep uh if they can get going which you don't put it past them, you've seen it so many times with mississippi mm-hmm. state team, struggled earlier in the year i think it was what 2013 i think it was when they were just a bad baseball team at the beginning of the year. By the time the season went on, they were able to figure it out. Actually did a lot of what we're doing right now, completely scratched their uh, starting rotation on the weekends, started using their bullpen depth, and it really worked out for them. So you definitely don't count them out, but with all the injuries piling up over there in Starkville, it's definitely going to be a long road ahead for them.
0: Yeah, and um, they're a team that if – I guess if it keeps going the way it's been going, they're looking at maybe being a two-seed at Pete Taylor Park at Southern Miss, right? Yeah, I
1: mean, if that, really. I mean, they probably off reputation alone. it would probably be hard for the committee to put them any lower than a two seed. But from where they're at right now, I mean, they're certainly not deserving of a two seed yet. I mean, a three, yeah, I could absolutely see that. Uh, But they definitely have work to do, though, which playing in the SEC, you've got all kind of opportunities to bolster your resume and your RPI. And like I said, being defending national champions, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt come selection
0: time. Yes, thank you. Um, And and thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first and listen every day. Tomorrow we will talk about today's practice and everything that came from it. Now make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Um, It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Man, Derek, thank you very much. I know you got a daughter. you got to get to dance, but thank you for coming on and dropping a little wisdom off for us. I appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Enjoyed it. Hi, right, toddy. Howdy, toddy.